0: Welcome back, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. In this episode, we go a little unorthodox and sort of flip the script. Um, This episode was a total experiment. Um, I did an interview on Instagram Live, which I had never done before, uh, with my friend Billy Lanford of Eremos Performance. Um, I think I said that right. Maybe not. Uh, But Billy is a, he's an interesting guy. He's got a lot of energy towards helping people move forward in life and get past places where they're stuck and feel blocked. Um, And so he asked me if I'd be willing to be interviewed by him um, on his Instagram live feed. And so neither one of us had ever done it before. And so it was a bit of an experiment in that way. And we tried to record it. So the audio is a little bit um, subpar from what we would want it to be, but we both thought that the content was definitely worth saving. And so we uh, did our best, would put the content into a format that we could work with in here, and are excited to bring you some interesting conversation um, with me being the one being interviewed. So we cover everything from, of course, COVID-19, uh, we talk about trauma, we talk about growth mindset, Uh, and we talk about working with dreams, um, which is really interesting. So anyway, hope you enjoy this, uh, sort of unorthodox way that we flipped the script and thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here. You're listening to why in the world, a podcast fueled by curiosity with deep-dive conversations into meaning, purpose, and why we show up in the world the way we do. Hosted by me, psychotherapist Brian Nixon.
1: Is anyone else drinking coffee out there? I'm kind of curious what you guys are drinking. Hey, there he is! Hey, man! What is up?
0: Hey, good to see your face.
1: Good to see yours, man. We're doing this seamlessly so far.
0: Oh, are we good? You know, I you know, seamless is the goal.
1: Feel like a pro. No, <laughs> not really.
0: Yeah, just fake it till we make it, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> As my uh, my nephew's in the military, and he always says, "Embrace the suck." Uh, yes. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of that happening right now. Oh, dude! Without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, so my thought was, we'll get, you know, we'll get into this, and we'll download, download it, save it, and we can do whatever we want to do with it after that. Cool, Sounds awesome. great. Awesome. Yeah. Give it a minute, or should we get right in? What do you think?
0: Um, I'll follow your lead, man. This is your show. I'm, I'm wide open. Have you? you know, ever- I don't know. Um. Waiting just gives people more time to, to sign on. I suppose huh?
1: Yeah, that would be the only thought
0: or we'll, let's, okay. get, let's get after it. Let's do it man. Are you drinking any coffee? I have Had my fill of coffee today. So now I'm actually drinking a, a Zevia Have you tried these? No, I know the sugar, right? Or the- no sugar. Yeah, it's a It's a grapefruit flavored Sparkly drink that's got more flavor than a LaCroix. So I'm happy with it.
1: Nice. man. Nice. <laughs> I, just, I do one cup, one cup of coffee in the morning, one in the afternoon. Okay. Probably still too much. The, after, the afternoon jolts me. I'm drinking madcap. So Okay. Probably going to be
0: uh one. But yeah. We'll I've, been, uh, I've been drinking roast umber. Have you heard of this? No, is that, where is it from? Grand Rapids, yeah, it's, do uh, you know Chad Morton, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's his it's his thing, like he's uh, he's a coffee ninja, so he is. it's amazing.
1: That's awesome, I'll have to try some.
0: Um, you should, on- it's great. There's a
1: plug here Yeah, website for Chad Morton's coffee.
0: Yeah, we should just link to it. If you need good coffee, roast Umber in Grand Rapids. That's our one commercial. We'll link to it at the end of the this. <laughs> all right man brian so
1: yes sir what i wanted to do i had this idea that there are people um that may not be like in my inner circle so to speak uh but people who have influenced me um and inspired me and i thought man like i'm really blessed to have a lot of connections like that um and i thought why not share you with the world mm-hmm. People who don't know you you know what i mean yeah. so, inspired well, many levels. So my thought starting out would be, um, just to kind of get into who you are and the why. Uh, that you mm-hmm. started mindful counseling, gr, and that you're doing what you're doing because, as like Simon Sinek says, people buy your uh, they buy your why, not what, not your what. Um, you. yeah. But before we start, and I met you 18, it was probably 18 years ago. How old are you? 42. Okay, yeah, so I'm 42 as well. So that was, dude, that was probably 18 years ago, right? Yeah. And I was always very intrigued by you, one, because I was very obnoxious and loud, and you were, <laughs> you've always been like this guy and always a little bit mysterious to me. Plus, your mm. jumper was better than mine, and it used to just piss <laughs> me off so much. When
0: mm. we played basketball, remember? Like, we played those sports, games. <laughs> and you had just yeah, it was a carpeted gym floor at Wedgwood.
1: Yes. it used to so frustrate me. And then it always seemed like you were in control, which is probably a lie. But it's – <laughs> so I always had this, and you don't even know this. I always had this weird, like, admiration for you and, like, disdain for you. But it was <laughs> all love. Do you know what I mean? Because you had something that – right? Um, oh, yeah. We lost, we lost touch for the last few years. Mm -hmm. Uh, or a loss and see if other life goes on and then you came back and uh, because you went to school in Seattle right? Mm -hmm. And Why don't you kind of run with like school in Seattle why you are who you are, Um, you own Mindful Counseling GR, you have how many counselors working for you or working there?
0: Um, I think we've got just over 20 right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So pretty amazing. amazing team of uh, pretty remarkable humans who are you know just doing their work in the world and seeing human suffering in all of its forms so got people that work with couples with uh, individuals with adolescents um, and adults so yeah wow good good really good crew that's
1: incredible so for those of you who don't know, Wedgewood is—we worked at Wedgewood Christian Services, it was a twelve-bed boys' home, um, or we worked in different homes, but um, we did therapy with kids. And then you went off and got your master's, correct?
0: Yeah, that's right. So I did that at the know, Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. Okay. So kind so of a. Mm, that's a. You know, it's interesting to talk about. The why um, and the what and how they're I didn't really have a clear sense of Even thinking about the why until a couple of years ago Um, And the practice was already already there and and we had a number of therapists already Um, And there was a conversation with one of the therapists around like What would we do if like insurance stopped paying? Um, how would we keep functioning and you know, initially I noticed like this Kind of fear creep up into me of like, oh, we need to figure that out like and it wasn't even really on the table that they wouldn't pay But it was just this sort of general. What if what if that were to happen? Um, and so I was sitting in that conversation for a little while and then eventually had this kind of gut feeling of clarity that I I don't know that I had had before um, and I, I remember just looking at them and saying, I don't think it would matter. Like, it would really suck if this place imploded and we had to close up shop and there would be a ton for me to to grieve. It would be a huge loss. Uh, a lot of like blood, sweat and tears have gone into like creating the intention around this place and creating the culture of this place and um, and what we're doing. and in the world and the help that we're trying to offer people and um it would be a ton to to grieve but it wouldn't matter because it's not my why um it's the it's the form that my why happens to be coming into the world through and so if the form collapses the why still exists and and i'll find another way to do what i'm supposed to do in the world um, another form will emerge or um, there will be something that will allow for the expression of the why and I think that the why for me is just and you know for all of us it has to do with a connection to our most authentic self like the the deepest part of who we are and um and we live in a world where so much happens where we're trained to be in the world in a certain way culturally we're trained in our family of origin and you know like you were talking about my sort of even keel mysteriousness and and the appearance of of a steadiness there um and I think you're you know pretty astute to observe like and it probably wasn't true um but you know in my family of origin, like I was trained like be the even keeled one that balances things out um but underneath the the stability is all of my own shit, you know like there's the fear, the anxiety, the, sometimes it's a steady, even keel because I'm terrified of like, what will happen if I really show up in this moment? Um, And so, you know, our why I think is working through all of our own woundedness, all of our own Mm -hmm. patterns and survival strategies, a lot of which are unconscious. Like we're just kind of in an autopilot um, in terms of how we do life. Uh, And so I think, Doing the deep work of, of reconnecting to our own soul, our own heart, our own um, depths, healing those wounds, and then finding the most authentic expression we can to show up in the world um, is the why. And part of the why for me is helping other people do that that same thing. Um, like I feel deeply committed to helping people heal and helping people Live the most free and authentic expression of themselves, because I think the world's a better place if we're all deeply connected to our hearts and our soul and and living that out.
1: Mm-hmm. So you said to me. So, um, When you emailed me, you emailed me that uh, those couple paragraphs that I read and then there you talk yeah. about with the time through with COVID, you talked about the universal and the personal and you're talking mm-hmm. about healing, now, I would love to walk that because I thought that was really fascinating, just the way you mm-hmm. worded it. Um, yeah, and you know, and, and I have some some thoughts or questions, maybe more questions off from that. But mm-hmm. I really would love to
0: hear you get into that a little more than just the words that I read because mm-hmm. I know I know it's deep. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think what's what's really interesting. Is, you know, the COVID-19 we're all doing our best to shelter in place and to do the the things we're supposed to do washing our hands. um, There's this sort of invisible force out there in the world that is invading the entire human collective at this time. Um, And that's really overwhelming. Um, It's a real deep sense of fear, of powerlessness, of anxiety, of isolation, uh, depression, people experiencing really heightened relational conflicts as a result of being like quarantined um, when maybe they would have a little bit more separation from people they're living with. Um, And so there's this massive thing going on that when we look at it just as this universal thing, it's It's deeply uh, troubling, Um, but at the same time, it's getting nuanced in each of us differently, um, to some extent, like there's some shared experiences for sure, but how, how it's embodied in each of us is a product of our own lived story, our own lived experience, and so, if if we're looking at COVID 19 and feeling it and saying, man, I've not felt this isolated or this powerless or this afraid or um, It's just so overwhelming. I think the real work is to like follow those threads from the universal down into the personal because they like the question becomes like, well, where have you felt this before you know like where have you felt this sense of something so big looming over you with complete power and control and um and what did you do then you know like um that there is a way that that these threads do weave down into our individual stories and so you know even in talking with clients or looking at my own life or talking with friends like everybody's starting the conversation around the coronavirus um but the the longer you sit with it you start to see like different shades and dimensions of like, you felt this in a lot of ways in in a lot of different corners of your life and it's it's never been resolved. And that's why those areas are getting so activated right now. Um, And so I think the potential for healing is in that ability to like track the threads from the universal into the personal, because in the personal, we do have some ability to do work there. Um, beyond just washing our hands and and sheltering in place like we can We can really start to let those unconscious parts of ourselves that have been wounded Come to the surface a little bit more and when they become conscious we can work with them um, And in working with them. There's a lot of potential for healing that will last long beyond this virus mm-hmm.
1: What does that mean to be resolved? I know it's something, you know, I've, I'm obviously not a therapist, but I work with people you know we work from go to go from here to here um and often in a, in a business sense but that still goes back to the person always um and it always affects our level of but what does that you know that mean resolved or that word resolved i mean everybody i work with like you just said like you know you start out talking about covid and then it goes to the <laughs> to the personal right like all the time same thing we start out talking about business and it goes to whatever the wound is the wound far, and what, what? The conversation I've had a lot, even internally, like, what does it mean to be resolved?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, did I, did I use the word resolved? You did. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm surprising myself a little bit, because I, um, I don't know about the word resolved. I think healing and resolve are are, are different because I think, you know, life is like a. Deepening spiral where our themes in in life come around again and again. Often with clients, I'll find myself in this conversation where you know been working with them for a year, maybe two years, on a weekly basis, and you know, say anxiety, for example, is the thing. Um, and you know, we'll be two years in, and they'll be like, "My anxiety is spiking again, and I thought I worked this through. I thought it was resolved, and and now now here I am." excuse me. And, um, like, why is this still here? Why is it going on? And, and so it's interesting for me because the fact that the the thing pops up again, isn't the marker of whether or not you're healing. It's like, we can't control kind of what comes around the loop on the spiral, but the spiral can be continually deepening. And so when, wherever we are on, on that spiral, um, the, the true measure is like who are you today when this anxiety is coming up now? Because now you're you're resourced much differently. Like a year ago, when this anxiety came up, it completely shut you down, and you were totally isolated, and or whatever the situation is. But now today, as it's coming up, you're you're talking about it differently. You're you're feeling it in your body differently. You're um, able to access more resources in terms of facing it and moving. Moving with it rather than resisting it or trying to numb it or push it away somehow. So, um, yeah, interesting that I use the word resolve because I don't often think about it that way. Uh, I would say I'm. I'm, It feels more like an evolution rather than rather than a resolution. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. I look for. I don't know if you do this or not, but whenever I'm anywhere working with people, I'm always looking for consistencies. Mm. Um, and the consistency that I see today is, is loss. Uh, and that can, I feel like, come in many shapes, forms. It could be uh, you know, just abandonment issues or whatever. You know, And uh, it, it could be a, a friend of mine, Jimmy, I don't know if he's still on, but he got on earlier, who's not playing baseball right now, right? Like He's a minor league player and he's lost. Uh, it could be just loneliness, but a, a sense of loss. Um, just even if it's just not doing the the day to day stuff the way you used to. Yeah, it's a huge loss of normalcy. Yeah. Would you say, really, like collectively, the consistency would be grief? And the grief is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. And like, what does that mean? Because there's what I mean, five stages of grief, seven. How many is there? I always forget, but. Yeah, I'm putting you
0: on
1: <laughs> Sorry, I
0: was trying to set this off. Um. <laughs> the therapist should know all the stages of grief, but the, even the stages of grief is interesting to me because there's a fluidity to it, you know, like it's not like you go from stage one to stage two to stage three, stage four to five, and then it's resolved. It's like you might be in stage one, you might be angry or in denial, or you might feel you know, this way about it. And then maybe it goes to some sort of other feeling and then back to anger. And it's it's like waves that are kind of crashing on the beach. Like you don't know what this next wave is gonna be, but the work isn't to just check it off the box and move on to the next one. The work is to say, what's here in front of me now? And how do I be fully present to this as much as possible? Or how do I invite somebody into this with me uh, that isn't gonna try to fix it but is going to hold space for me in it and is going to help me feel the fullness of it so that it can become my teacher rather than um, just some problem that I'm trying to fix. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you think, like, I feel like, and, and I know there's always things going on and I definitely have resonated even with some of my own loss, but overall, like, I feel pretty good. Am mm-hmm. I thing to myself?
0: I I only you can answer that Um, for sure but you know
1: if we were breaking it down like because part of me is like maybe like maybe I just need to like figure out where I need to go with this or maybe I am good I'm asking that because if I am like good what do I do in these times or other people who feel that way Mm -hmm. or if I am you know if that's like dude there's no way you're good from, you know, from a professional side, you being a psychotherapist, (laughs) um, it's impossible, then how do I, you know, what roads do I need to go down to figure out what's going on, right? Because there are things to come up a year from now,
0: right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. Like, you know, part of it is like, what do you mean by you're you're good? Because there's all sorts of factors that play into that, too, you know, I mean, um, you know, I think there is an opportunity if our basic needs are being met during this time, like if we have food and shelter and are safe in some way, like um, we're not living in a situation where all of those things are being threatened, then I think there is a way in which we can be good in the sense that it's an opportunity to slow way down and to look inward. I've had a lot of conversations uh, the last couple of weeks with people about how uh, and, and other people actually bringing this to, to my attention in a way of like this isn't necessarily like a time to be productive and creative with like new things like my practice manager Lacey actually brought this up. Um, on Tuesday in our team meeting or our leadership meeting and she was like, I feel like this is a time uh, Where you know it's more of a down and in kind of time where um, the energy to move up and out into the world and be creative and energized and like doing new things um isn't really as active but what is active is more this like descent into deeper spaces into you know like our own internal cobwebs and corners that um that need some exploration as well and that there can be something Really fruitful and generative in that space as well, but it's it's not necessarily just about creating something new or um, uh, And and that's that's her experience, but it really also resonated with me and that there's a a, it's a time to slow down and to look inward and um, To more deeply connect with ourselves on an individual level and then um, in the ways that we can to connect more deeply with others that we're in a relationship with too. But, um, so in that way, I think, I think it's possible to be in a good space. Um, but it's, it's like anything in life, you know, like, are we, are we turning towards it and, and learning from it and listening to it and listening to ourselves in it? Or are we resisting, um, And I think there are probably people that are also like white knuckling their way through it and saying they're good but not really, you know, like if they're really honest, they're not. Um, But to be good and be uh, forcing their way through something is their way of coping with the powerlessness. Um, So, you know, I think it's it's really subjective. It's really, you know, on an individual level. I I don't think there is a, a blanket statement that all humans are in one particular space or another with this Mm -hmm. what would be the characteristics of resistance oh i mean that could be any number of things it could be um people doing like getting deeper into workaholism or projects or it could be any type of addiction uh, getting ramped up Um, anything we're doing to Numb or avoid what we're actually feeling, uh, and so I would say, you know, that's that's what most resistances are. You know, there's there are conscious ways that we resist, and then I think our unconscious also resists against painful things, um, and so it could be denial, it could be all sorts of different different things. Mm-hmm. So I, but I think that as a blanket idea, I would say it's it's. Resistance is anything you're doing to not feel what you're feeling.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some tangible ways people can kind of go down that rabbit hole or that depth or ask those questions? Like, what you know? I mean, I often even I feel like I'm pretty aware and in tune, and at times I'm just like, I don't even know how to get going to go deeper. Do you know? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense? Like, I yeah. Like,
0: yeah. What are some ways we can start? Yeah, the, the first thing that comes to mind is like that we're deeply relational beings. I think it's, it's wired into who we are to be in relationship. and I think part of the value of relationship is the mirroring we get from um, people that we trust, that are authentic, that are honest with us. Um, and so some for some, it might be asking. Somebody else how that you are really close with. How do you think I'm doing like, what do you see, what do you notice, you know, like, you know me well enough to be able to speak into that space and um, And so I think some sort of relational context where people can can reflect that back is helpful. Um, On the personal level. I think it it starts with curiosity. Uh, you know, if we've foreclosed on where we are, like, oh, I'm fine. Like, I'm, this is just, I'm just going to weather this and it's going to be good. And and I'm really committed to that position. The, the question would be, but can you also be curious about what else might be happening in there? Like, we're such complex beings that we have multiple self-states even, you know, like you'll say things like, well, part of me really wants to do this, but this other part of me is feeling this way or you know, like we talk about our own parts in that way. And so, you know, we all have different sort of emotional states that come and go. And um, and so being curious about all of it, not just the, the preferred feelings, you know, like I prefer to feel like I'm fine because that makes me feel like I have some sense of control, but this other part of me is also like terrified or, but I don't wanna talk about that. Um, so you know, it's it's all of that. You know, like, can you hold space for all of it with some curiosity and with, uh, hopefully, with with a relational context around it that can call bullshit when needed. Um, so, mm-hmm. it's
1: interesting. I you know, I'm I'm addicted to moving forward, and I'm addicted to I'm addicted to like the. Um, like the endorphin rush of growing and of moving and of pushing. So what you said about Lacey really just conscious like it just it you know, it's 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 there. It's like a war going on right now. And I can't let that quote go or that statement go and I need to, but it's something I need to the search. But over the last couple of days I've been reading about post traumatic growth. Mm. And I was like, I gotta just ask Brian this, why not? Like he knows more than I do. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm curious just your thoughts on that and maybe if you can define that because you'd probably define it a lot better than I would um, But I'm also curious like is that just something that passively happens or is it BS or is that something you intentionally have to kind of lean into What you know, what what does that post-traumatic growth mean and obviously it's not just for this situation. It's any trauma
0: Mm-hmm well, I think that you know trauma almost always gets stored in our body and in our nervous system in some way, and I don't, I don't think if it's just left alone that it it resolves itself usually, you know, or that it. Um, there's that word again. Um, <laughs> I, I I think that that trauma is an interesting thing because it it just lives in us, and I don't. I think we do need. Um, to be pretty intentional about looking at it and exploring it, and finding ways of letting the trauma um, get out of our bodies in some way. Um, and because where where it lives in our body also influences how we think and how we show up in the world and what we're what feels possible or not possible. Um, and so it shapes it shapes a lot of things. And so that term post traumatic growth is interesting because I. Um, i've heard it but i have not you know i know that there are new sort of movements around you know working with veterans and things like that specifically around this idea of post traumatic growth and um and it has a lot to do from what i understand of like really diving into the narrative and the and the story of the trauma um in some sort of way where it's not simultaneously activating the nervous system into fight flight or freeze um, but is is sort of expanding this sort of window of tolerance that we all have you know like um, we kind of function through life um, when we're in a normal space and our window of tolerance might be here and then something spikes and now we're up here that might put us into more of that like fight or flight kind of ramped up energy you know like a gazelle running away from a lion or something like that and um and then if we're there too long our nervous system starts to shut us down and we kind of go from above this line in fight or flight and we drop all the way into the bottom, which would be more of like a shutdown kind of space where it's just kind of, I'm totally withdrawn, I'm shutting down, I'm you know preparing to die essentially is what the nervous system thinks about that. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not gonna claim to be an expert on post-traumatic growth, but I think that trauma in general needs tending to um in order to any sort of
1: growth be- are we there oh, did we freeze up yeah i had a phone call come <laughs> My
0: phone. no worries what was the last I was just saying, like, I think trauma needs to be intentionally tended to if there's going to be potential for growth on the other side of it, Um, that if it's just left alone, I don't think it it naturally moves us towards growth. Mm
1: -hmm. So would you say the majority of the work you do
0: or mindful counseling GR does is just getting in trauma? Everyone has it. I think to be human means that we know something of trauma yeah i think that's true um and you know there are our capital t traumas like significant abuse or harm that we've experienced or war or uh, domestic violence i mean there's all sorts of like major traumas that can happen Um, but then there's also like lowercase t trauma of just existing in a world that's not perfect um where there are relational harms happening all over the place or um just ways of that the world marks us uh, and we find ways to cope or, or we develop strategies, survival strategies that work really well for a time, but then we kind of hit a wall with them where um, the strategy that worked really well when I was eight is not working when I'm 42, but I'm still doing the thing. Um, So like the felt sense of that is often the sense of, um, You know, like things are okay, but I have this sort of nagging sense that it that there could be so much more to life than just survival like there could be something beyond surviving that feels more like flourishing. And it's, it can feel really daunting and sort of impossible to even access that which in its own way is another sort of micro trauma that can deepen our survival strategy. And so it doubles down on itself.
1: Dude, I feel like all day I could just sit here and talk to you about trauma, and everybody would want to like blow me up. So mm. I'm gonna switch gears. I appreciate. It. I, I I mean, we're in a freaking wild position, and it, it doesn't matter if you're quote unquote like or directly affected or indirectly affected by COVID. And the reality is, is is we do need to to be aware of our thoughts, right? We need to embrace our emotion and we need to ask the questions, right? Like, why? Why am I that? What's going on? I mean, is that, is that kind of a fair, you know, it, it, into the conversation, at least this portion, because I want to segue into some, some dream work talk.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that curiosity and an ability to have some compassion for the parts of us that we don't prefer to look at, um, you know, because I mean, it could feel like anything. It could feel like if I acknowledge that I'm struggling, that's going to mean I'm weak. Well, why does it mean that? Like, and you can kind of tra- trace those threads back. Well, it feels like weakness because you know this relationship in my early childhood was like if you showed any sort of vulnerability or um, any weakness, that that was going to mean that you're yeah, you're you're imperfect or you're weak. Versus saying like. It's actually a really strong human being that can embrace it all and welcome it all in and say there are times when I feel fine and then other times when I feel like I don't know what the hell's going on or I feel like um, I'm terrified or I feel lonely or I feel um, The full range, the full spectrum of what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, holding curiosity feels like the the biggest piece to me like Don't be too sure Uh, You know, like, or, or I mean, you can be sure, but just also be curious. Like, what else am I also
1: feeling?
0: (laughs) Like, what's true, what's not true, and what's also true is a helpful sort of (laughs) series of questions to ask yourself. Yeah, yeah, we have the time to ask them now. (laughs) We do. We do.
1: -hmm. Um, So you're working with Kent Dobson, which I just I did not know this. And I thought it was funny because I asked to interview Kent as well, so I'm meeting oh, no next week. And then I saw uh, the online Dreamwork Group program come over my Instagram. Oh, fun! Kent. And I was like, "What the heck? This is so <laughs> great. So, it's online Dreamwork program mm-hmm talk to me about it and I really want to hear what the fascination is about dreams because I have never once thought about dreams and like this obviously deeper way that you guys are thinking about it so can you yeah like teach us
0: yeah well I'm a firm believer that as human beings we have our a part of us that's conscious it's our sense of who we are in the world it's uh, you know some would call it our ego um it's And by ego, I just mean our sense of, of I, like this is who I am in the world. This is what I do. This is what I like, what I don't like, um, that sort of thing. And all of that exists sort of on a conscious plane. Um, but I also believe that we have a, a significant part of who we are that's unconscious, that we're not aware of. You know, there's an old saying in, in psychology realm that the problem with the unconscious is that it's unconscious. And so it's it's this part of us that we're not really able to just think about because whatever we're thinking about is conscious, and and so the the unconscious is interesting. Because there's a quote by Carl Jung that says, "Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your path, and you will call it fate." And so it's almost like this operating system that's happening behind the scenes. Um, and you see it in people's relational patterns a lot where they may be in some sort of relationship that's not working well for them and they end that relationship and then they get into a new relationship and the same patterns emerge again and again and again. Um, and so that's that's one way where it's it's clear that something's happening outside of our awareness, outside of our consciousness. Um, and dreams are particularly fascinating because the ego isn't in charge of dreams. Like it happens when you're asleep and they're full of symbols and images and, you know, really like strange things can appear in your dreams. That, um, is sort of the unconscious's way of, of pushing something into your conscious awareness and saying like, there's, there's something here to work with. And, um, and I think what's really fascinating to me, particularly about uh, Jung's perspective on dreams, was that dreams have this, uh, and dreams in the unconscious have this impulse to move us forward in life, not to, you know, like they want, there's something in us that wants to evolve and wants to be, um, again, back to like being the most authentic expression. and And yet our conscious mind represses things um, pushes things down into the depths that we don't want to look at that um, which could be patterns could be um, core beliefs that we're not thinking about um, just all, all sorts of stuff and so working with dreams is like wandering in this mysterious land and having an experience there and coming back and going what was that like you know what was what was the feeling of the dream? What was the, you know, like if you have a dream, interesting thing about dreams is like, when you're dreaming, you almost have the sense that you're actually awake. You're in a, you know, people will tell you about their dreams, like I was here and this happened. You know, like I was in this in this room or in this, it was my bedroom from my childhood house, but it was also then I opened this door and then it was like in my college, dorm or it was here. And then like this strange person appeared or there was a dragon or there was, you know, all of this stuff. And so, you know, dream, every part of a dream. So if I had a dream and you are in my dream, it's not actually you. Like it's it like my psyche created all the components of the dream. Right. So every part of the dream from the, the room to the context to the the emotional tone of the dream to any figures or people or objects or um, animals or whatever shows up in the dream it's a part of my own psyche and so part of part of working with dreams is to be able to step into back into the dream space um and explore it and you can do that a number of different ways like it's not trying to like interpret like here's the meaning. If you dream about a rabbit, it means this, or if you dream that your teeth are falling out, it means this. It's more of like uh, an active meditation on on like what are the images in there and what themes might they be be pointing you toward. And so I can explore the dream from the perspective of the dream ego, which would be my sense of myself in the dream. So me brian i'm having this dream and i'm in this room and this person is here and so you can say well you know you're you're back in the dream space and so you might have somebody like kind of take a few deep breaths close their eyes and try to re-enter the dream space and so and then they would retell the dream um and then maybe retell the dream a second time and then you can start to interact with it a little bit more and say well you see this this sort of mysterious male figure to your right and because in your dream you were looking to the right but then you might say well what happens if you look to the left what do you see now and and so it's this idea of called like dreaming the dream forward where the dream can continue to kind of take shape and new things can happen and and so then you can do it that way but you can also enter the dream from any perspective and you could say um now enter the dream as that like shadowy male figure like if you're looking at it from that vantage point what do you notice and what's how does the feeling change and what is the you know like and so all kinds of of stuff can bubble up from that unconscious space uh, and it can be really useful in finding things that are unresolved in your unconscious that might want some attention or might need some work um, along those lines and so it's just a, it's a portal into a space that we don't have access to when we're awake but is emerging from our own depths <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of things will you guys do and like how do you facilitate this like if I take the course right. what like what am I doing or
0: what am yeah, I so, It's going to be six weeks long. We're going to cap it at 12 people, 12 participants, um, and everybody will have a chance to to present a dream that they've had and then Kent and I will work with the dream as as they share it. Um, And I think in the first session, I'm actually going to present a dream and Kent's going to work with it um, to kind of give a bit of a demo of like this is this is sort of what it will be like. but yeah, everybody will have a chance to to present a dream. And, the you know, I think there's also this idea, this is a Jungian idea as well, of this collective unconscious, that there's our own individual unconscious, but then there's a collective unconscious. And so the benefit to those who may not be sharing a dream is that they also get to... notice like what's coming up in you as you're hearing this dream what are you noticing what's the feeling tone that you're picking up on um and that will be emerging out of their own unconscious space and so even if you're not sharing a dream your own unconscious is interacting with the dream so it'll be it'll be a rich so what if i'm somebody who says like i don't
1: dream or i don't remember my dreams or Worth, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if I want to take
0: this course or yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, if I think everybody dreams, I think that's it's a universal thing that like everybody is dreaming the. When we don't remember our dreams that can be any number of reasons why that's happening. And on one level, it could be like you have a, a really strong ego defense where your consciousness is like, Nope, we're not letting that surface. And so you wake up and maybe you have like a thought, like, I think I was dreaming, but I don't remember what it was. Um, or it could be, you know, I've, we live in a culture where almost everybody is waking up to an alarm clock. And I think when your dream cycle or your sleep cycle is getting interrupted like that, it's much harder to remember dreams, which was another reason we thought about doing it now, because when everybody's sheltering in place and not going into the office, a lot more people are not waking up to an alarm clock and are waking up more naturally. And so there's a much higher likelihood that people who don't normally remember dreams are probably remembering dreams now. But part of the trick is to set an intention to remember dreams, you know, and so it's really helpful to have like a dream journal um, next to your bed and a a little light that you can turn on and just write down, even if it's just bullet points at 4 a.m. where you're like, I was dreaming, excuse me, I was dreaming and and like Billy was in my dream and Wedgwood was in my dream and you're just kind of bullet pointing some of the things you remember and then when you wake up, you can see if, if, the dream kind of come back comes back to you, and then you can write it out in more of a narrative form. Um, but yeah, I think even sort of, I mean, this sounds a little mystical, but even just saying, you know, asking like asking the dream maker, um, will you help me remember my dreams? I'm going to set an intention to like tend to them and, and um, honor them when they come up, and I'll do that by writing them down. And so you know, going to sleep with that intention is helpful um but for some like i'm one who would have historically said i don't really remember my dreams um but for the last two years i've been much more intentional about it i have a dream journal uh i often will just kind of like voice to text into my phone at 4am and then the next day write write them into the journal um you know handwrite them so I would say since I've been doing that, you know, like it hasn't been like every night I'm having dreams, but I've probably got a dozen dreams over the course of a couple of years that are, you know, that feel like little treasures to me. So,
1: like, do you have like breakthroughs or for lack of a better term? Like, is that what you're, is that what you're like you, you're searching for? Is it more of like just uh, an awareness
0: or? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. In that way, like, I think there can be breakthroughs, but for me, it's almost like When you Like take a trip to a foreign land um, And it like blows your mind like you see things you've never seen before and you have feelings you've never felt before and it's it's impacting you and changing you in some way and then you come come home. You know, people don't often ask you like, what, what did that trip mean? you know, like what was the, what was the takeaway or, I mean, maybe they would ask you that, but um, it's not as much about like, what, what did the trip mean? It was like, what was the experience like? And there's something about the experience of going to a foreign land where you're out of your normal, you know, your normal space that impacts you and shifts you on an ongoing basis, sometimes in ways that you don't, Have an articulation for Uh, and I think dreams are like that in a way where um, You'll have a dream experience and it continues to work on you over time, which is the value of writing them down because a dream I had two years ago. Might mean something completely different to me when I'm going back through a full like dream journal and I'm like, holy shit, there's a lot of like Common themes in here and a lot of things that are starting to like take shape and emerge that it wouldn't have noticed upon like the first you know, time thinking consciously about this dream. And and so it's it's like it's you're having this experience in, in a dreamland and you don't really, you're not trying to foreclose on the meaning of it, you're trying to let the experience of it work on you. So cool, man.
1: Mm-hmm. So how do people, and I'm gonna link this when we repost it, but how, how do people, if they're interested in that, like what can they do?
0: Yeah, so it's, uh, there's an application process available on Kent Dobson's website, um, and that, that's just kentdobson.com, and he, he's got a space under there for um, different, different uh, sorts of workshops and things that he's doing. And so you can find the Work group under there and then fill out the application, uh, and then we'll be reviewing applications and getting this thing rolling in a couple weeks. So I will definitely
1: link that. Um, a couple more things, because uh, I know time is, is still, even though we seem to have a lot of it, it's still fragile. And uh, I told you probably 30 minutes-ish, and I don't even know where we're at. Um, you do Why in the World podcast. The first one I listened yeah. to was the Dr. Capet. Yeah. It's great, by the way. Um, Thank you. But kind of walk me through the podcast. Why? Are you doing it? What's the, you know, what's the goal? What kind of people do you have want to have
0: on? Like, you know, why should people tune that? in? Yeah, that's, that's been a, an interesting sort of creative experience, experiment for me. Um, the idea for why in the world kind of emerged after that conversation I mentioned before where I had that clarity around like, this isn't my why in the world. Like, you know, this practice is the form in which it's taking. And so, Um, the idea just kind of settled in of like, this could be a cool podcast theme where it's just kind of conversations with, with people that, um, you know, there's not a real, uh, so far it's been mostly just people that I know that I've been interviewing people that I, I feel, um, are doing interesting things, um, who, and, and just hearing their story, you know, like and through the story, I think you can start to get a feel for like this This is linked to their why in the world. And it, it might at times be more conversations about the form that the why is taking in the world. But uh, I don't know. It's been fun for me. Like I'm I definitely no pro podcaster, um, but I've really enjoyed the process of it. And it's pushing my edge a little bit, you know, that whole you what you mentioned about me kind of being... Sort of just flat and and sort of mysterious, Except like flat. I did not say flat. <laughs> well, you you did this and that seemed flat, so. right? Okay. <laughs> that, but I think maybe to me it feels flat. You know, like there's there's like a, a flat lid on top of something more that's underneath there, and so I I feel compelled to push my own edges in, in ways that don't feel comfortable to me and. And so, like, the thought of, of creating a podcast wasn't like, oh, this is just who I am. Like, I really want to be out in front of everybody. It was, like, the opposite of that. It was, like, I sat on the idea of doing the podcast for, like, two years, hoping it would go away and stop bugging me. Um, <laughs> so I wouldn't have to do it. And it just didn't. So I was, like, okay. It was January of the beginning of this year. And I'm just, like, okay, I'm just going gonna, gonna to do it. I'm not going to worry about how polished and refined it is i'm just going to start and see where it goes so
1: i love it man. yeah it's one of the good stuff it's a, it, right? just doing it you know yeah that's great absolutely so to wrap this to wrap this thing up uh one do you have any kind of like parting shots or last words and then i want to say a couple things
0: and then we'll uh you know can say goodbye Yeah, I I don't think so. I I feel really grateful for the opportunity to do this. This is another one of those things where I'm like, I've never done this before, but it feels like it would push my edges a bit. So, and I like you. So I was like, let's do this thing. Um, but yeah, I felt really honored that you asked and, um, you know, really grateful for the opportunity. So thank you.
1: Yeah, dude, you're so welcome. Um, you know, it's, I think life is always so interesting and, and the older I get, uh, hopefully i'm losing some of those uh rough rougher edges and they're definitely not polished um but within that and within losing some of that and getting rid of some of the chip uh there's i've realized there's people even if it's kind of at an arm's length just because of life that have impacted me on so many levels um and you're one of those people Mm. so i want you to know like the work you're doing uh is amazing um, the fact you. that you're pushing uh, to be better yourself and to heal and to get into your own trauma and the fact that you're walking with other people but then also the fact that you're leading 20 other therapists and then you're doing a podcast and then you're you know, partnering uh, with Kent who, who is wonderful and then his own journey and you're helping people through that I mean you have honestly uh, I get a little choked up but you have my like wholehearted uh support and um like i said i know i'm gonna um plug the online uh dream work group program the why in the world podcast and mindfully helping mm-hmm. to be offered, um and all the stuff that i post off of this but yeah dude you're you're amazing and i push people like towards you and your practice all the time i know you're not perfect that, but i love the fact that you lean in right um uh, thank I, you especially the last five six years uh and I just love that you're leading that and uh and you have a, a ton of offer to and the fact that that you're getting important so thank you I appreciate yeah, it. Thank you for that we we did this together because it was my first two so yeah good um it
0: was' good well awesome thank That's you great. for thank you for the opportunity and certainly thank you for. Everything you just said, so yeah, appreciate real that. Talk.
1: real talk we could uh next we'll maybe have to talk about being an entrepreneur because you're that too, and we didn't even discuss that, so
0: yeah, that's been uh its own
1: growth curve. So. I figured I was like, man, there's so much to talk about, uh, mm. but maybe we'll do another one on that.
0: Yeah, sounds great, man.
1: All right brother. I appreciate you.
0: Yeah, likewise, take right, care. Bro. have a great day. you too. bye. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in to this episode with Billy Lanford interviewing me in this Instagram story experiment that we tried. I hope that you found it useful and um, that you find an invitation in the conversation to care well for yourself in the midst of all of this COVID-19 stuff that we're all enduring and dealing with. may you find a deeper connection to your own heart during this time. Take care.